time for this morning fact checker where we debunk misinformation based on real evidence, real facts, set the record straight. Uh, joining us here in the studio, as always, is Adam Ro. Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. You sound a bit under the weather. <laughs> uh, a little, a little uh, sniffling going yeah, on here, um, some congestion. But I uh, want to assure you, here in the studio, uh, have been suffering no other symptoms, no, um, no right, fever yeah. at all what to uh, speak of. So uh, you are uh, certainly uh, safe and sound here. <laughs> no, I, wasn't, I wasn't suspecting anything. I was just uh, worried yeah. for you. Oh, well, um, thank you. Thank you for the concern. Let's talk about uh, President Moon Jae-in. Uh, he had uh, the uh, recent uh, meeting with the um, other uh, various um, leaders, and he he claimed in a recent public address that South Korea's economy is doing quite well and that uh, it outstripped one G7 member state in terms of GDP per capita for the first time. Now, there's various metrics to to kind of rank these countries. First of all, just on the uh, surface, is that claim true? Yes, just one of the G7 member states, it is true. Uh, according to the IMF's World Economic Re- uh, Outlook, rather, uh, Korea's GDP per capita did surpass that of Italy in 2020. Uh, last year, Korea's GDP per, per, per capita was $31,496. That's compared to Italy's $31,288. Uh, Korea did lag behind Italy in 2019, so it did manage to overtake the country in the space of a year. However... The IMF predicts that for this year, Korea's GDP per capita will come to 34865 That's about $131 less than the forecast for Italy. So this outstripping of Italy's GDP per capita is only expected to last for a year, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and of course, is, as usual with the case uh, in this uh, listing, the US did top the list in terms of GDP per capita. Uh, Moon also actually interestingly claimed that Korea's economy was the first out of the OECD to recover to pre pandemic levels. Now, he is partly right in this, in that Korea has managed to speed up recovery relatively well when compared to these key developed nations, these major economies. Now, according to preliminary data from the Bank of Korea, the country's real GDP, which is an inflation-adjusted GDP measure, reached 470.8 trillion won in the first quarter of this year. That's a 1.6% increase from the previous quarter and 1.8% increase year on year. Now, for the first time, it exceeded its peak before the pandemic, which was in the first, fourth quarter rather, of 2019. Compared to the fourth quarter of 2019, the GDP was actually 0.4% higher. Hmm. Only Korea, China and India were among the top, uh, top 10 economies to reach pre-pandemic growth levels in 2020. But Moon's claim that Korea was the first among the OECD to achieve that goal is actually not true. New Zealand hmm. and Turkey actually managed to Uh, take that crown first. So overall, um, when he's talking about these things, um, we can see that uh, uh, there there is some accuracy there. However, mm. with the nuances and, and I guess the specifics of are you actually the very first in terms of mm. like things to reach pre-pandemic yeah. level uh, growth, um, uh, certainly there are some other countries that have also been doing well. The, the bottom line is, and I think it's really somewhat unique to Korea, but although other countries may be uh, similarly obsessed, is It doesn't. It, how big a deal is it to be ranked higher? Because it seems like we really <laughs> care about OECD rankings as a country, or at least our media seems to really care. Yeah. And then the fact to be, you know, even momentarily in the top seven uh, is is a big deal for us. I know. I think I think Korea is a very competitive uh, nation uh, culturally, and um, and they like to rank things <laughs> a yeah. lot. I mean, in school, in the school system as well. I mean, right. The students is uh, often graded in terms of the rank relative yeah. to the other students, and it's very competitive and. Uh, 
I think uh, because, uh, in my opinion, I think it's a bit superficial. But these rankings, as long as the country is doing well, just yeah, objectively, not just subjectively, I think it's all, uh, that's the one that counts. But obviously, this is kind of politician speech. It is Moon Jae-in kind of touting his mm-hmm. uh, uh, his policies over the past four years, and of course, putting a number to the kind of achievements is something that uh, looks a bit better on paper. And uh, yeah. yeah. One thing for sure is there certainly is an upward trend. We're talking about now always competing with Italy to see if we can get into that uh, G7 mm. ranking. Whereas previous years, it was always kind of like countries like Mexico or Brazil, of yeah. whether we're in the top <laughs> 10 or top 12. Yeah. And so certainly uh, per capita GDP has risen. But there are so many factors involved with it. If the one valuation let's say, changes quite significantly. That moves the ranking up quite a bit because we're talking about per capita in dollar terms and that's also, you know, uh, significantly different depending on how strong your currency is compared to the dollar at that given point. So, Mm -hmm. um, as you say, some nuances there, but uh, as a politician kind of touting this achievement to really, uh, I I guess, for the public to show, hey, look, things... Mm -hmm. There's a lot of doom and gloom going on, but things may not be as bad as you are, especially in terms of the international standing. Now... There are other factors involved in how good the uh, population feels about their country, including the matters of um, economic growth and development and all that, but also just how it is uh, in terms of a livability scale of how, right, how pleasant an environment that you generally live in. One thing that has been criticized here in Korea for for many years now um, is the issue of workplace safety and the overall awareness of safety issues, especially after the uh, Sewol Ferry tragedy that kind of brought light into uh, the idea how um, safety is often overlooked in the country. There have been a lot of reports recently of work-related injuries and deaths in Korea, Um, again, bringing sort of scrutinizing in a bad way uh, the country's uh, commitment to these things. There's some pending legislation involved uh, on this end as well. Can you just overall give us an assessment? How bad is Korea's record of work-related injuries and deaths, especially when compared to, again, we love this comparison to other so-called advanced nations? Um, Well, I'm going to cite data from the uh, Minbyeon, the Lawyers for a Democratic Society. It uh, has, according to the the lawyer group, uh, as of 2020, fatal injuries at workplaces in Korea reached 882. That's an average of 2.4 deaths each day when compared... Uh, again, with an advanced, so-called advanced Mm. nation. When compared to the UK's 111 and the fact that Britain has a population of just under 70 million, uh, Korea's work-related death rate is... On the surface, 10 times higher. But the figure for Korea is actually uh, used based on the working population rather than the nationwide population. Mm. So the industrial accident rate is seemingly higher. Now, the, uh, a lawmaker from the Justice Party, Kang Eun-mi, now the Justice Party, uh, if we know, initiated a recently passed law that aimed at uh, preventing workplace accident accidents. Now, lawmaker Kang claimed that Korea has held the highest industrial accident rate for every 10,000 workers in the OECD for 21 years. Uh, But data from the Construction and Economy Research Institute of Korea shows that uh, the country is actually ranked fifth in the OECD. Uh, According to data released last September, uh, Korea's work-related casualty rate for every 10,000 workers was 3.61. That is actually behind Canada, Turkey, Chile and Luxembourg. So it's actually Mm. fifth. So it's not the top in the OECD. But the figure is much higher than the OECD average of 2.43. And being fifth out of 35 members, members for for such a statistic is nothing really to to brag about. And also when compared to major economies such as the US and many European nations, Korea does have a high work-related casualty rate, especially in construction work. So just with the first item, it's all down to how you interpret these numbers and uh, 
how you use these statistics to your advantage or to make a point, basically. Right. So as you say, you can spin the numbers uh, in, in a way that's favorable to your mm. position. Here, the position seems to be, do we need to have some kind of uh, redress, not only for safety regulations, but mm. a way to compensate workers who have suffered injuries through the workplace, which is pending in the National Assembly, right? This Workplace yeah. Compensation Insurance Act that is... controversial to, let's say, business owners who feel that this is too onerous a a, uh, requirement and that uh, many of them might go out of business because of the fact that uh, they're going to be forced to compensate for these kind of things and with the regulations. But just anecdotally speaking, if you go to, let's say, construction sites here or in, let's say, the UK or the US, it does feel like there's a difference because there's a very strange, like if you go to a construction or some type of kind of hazardous work environment in the u.s mm. there there's protocols you got to wear this kind of suit right. you got to wear this kind of helmet you got to wear this kind of and before you're even allowed into the buildings yeah. often t- and, and you, you you give you know you have to be fair there are things like that in korea but it doesn't yeah. seem to be as strenuously enforced right and yeah that's what i was going to say i mean there are, there are probably those rules in place but it's whether the enforcement is there that's the main difference i think i mean uh, but Living in the UK, one advantage uh, of having these protocols is obviously safety, but another disadvantage of that is construction takes so long in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so it's kind of trying to find that balance between the two. That's a good yeah. point. Because <laughs> the, the bali-bali culture that apparently right, everyone stereotypes exactly. Korea yeah. is, has some benefits, but as you say, but at what cost? Yeah, at right? risk, yeah, yeah. There is a risk of safety, yeah. All right, let's turn to our final story. And uh, uh, off air, before we uh, were uh, going to talk about this, I, I found mm. out uh, very happily that you are a sort of a, a guru, an expert in, in this matter. But <laughs> I was a <like> guru. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know a lot about it, but uh, there is a lot of attention on cryptocurrencies. Mm. Now, particularly with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and its effect on the environment, Elon Musk seems to think that uh, this is bad for the uh, environment. And he's done a complete 180 on Um, Bitcoin payments for things like purchasing cars at Tesla. So let's let's, kind of address this. How much energy does Bitcoin actually consume? Yeah, that kind of U-turn on Elon Musk's decision didn't take long. It was like two months, I think, before they said, oh, we're going to accept Bitcoin. And then two months later, they said, oh, no, we're not. Uh, But yeah, according to the University of Cambridge, Bitcoin uh, electricity Uh, consumption index. In March, the annual power consumption of the Bitcoin network was estimated to be 129 terawatt hours. Now, if Bitcoin were a country, it would rank 29th out of a theoretical 196. That's narrowly exceeding Norway's consumption of uh, 124 terawatt hours mm. and also on par with New Zealand's total energy consumption in 2019. Uh, for further comparison, the Bitcoin network consumes, get this, 1,708% more electricity than Google. Wow. <laughs> in, a total, uh, in a 2020 report by the University of Cambridge, researchers found that 76% of crypto miners rely on some degree of renewable energy to power their operations. So when this whole criticism came that uh, Bitcoin and crypto miners were not being green enough, these kind of crypto miners were saying, well, we're using renewable energy. We're not being uh, aware of our carbon footprint. Uh, But there is still room for improvement, though, as renewables account for just 39% of the crypto mining's total energy consumption, so still quite a small portion. Now, hydroelectric energy is the most common source globally, and it gets used by at least 60% of crypto miners across all four regions across the uh, globe. Coal energy, though, plays a significant role in the Asia-Pacific region uh, and was the only source to match hydroelectricity in terms of usage. This can be largely attributed to China, Mm. which is currently the world's largest consumer of coal, and where many of the many, many crypto mining farms are located. If you've seen the pictures and search for it online, these are 
literally yeah. acres wide farms of uh, graphics cards being pumped uh, and uh, they're just being powered by coal at the moment in China. Uh, and there are attempts by governments, even in China, to control the carbon footprint of crypto mining. Uh, but it remains to be seen how much effect that will have. China, uh, or the, the government seems to be aware of this, but the actual crypto miners in China aren't really aware of it. They're just interested in what's cheapest right. and what's quickest to get those hash rates out. And Elon Musk fanboys are going to be angry if there's any criticism towards this way. But the question is, yeah. how sincere is he really in this idea that, you well, know... This whole criticism was, if we're going to accept Bitcoin, and then there's this whole question of Bitcoin mining takes up so much uh, energy, and for an electric car company, <laughs> yeah, not really the yeah. best standard to go. So I think there might have been a bit of pressure from the investors. Yeah, yeah, it was right before board. some sort of board meeting. Yeah, because Elon Musk usually yeah. does shoot the gun a little bit early. <laughs> yeah, so then again, the question was, why yeah. make that initial decision? In yeah, place, I mean... Right? So. Yeah, and there's a lot of conspiracies <laughs> to why, but yeah. yeah. All right, as always, Adam, thank you very much for all of that. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. See you next week.